Well, well, with that kind of intro, I should have floated onto the stage. That's amazing. You guys, you guys truly are special. And it, it, it feels like coming home here. I'll be honest with you. This feels like coming home. And um, God got us here safely. The fog on the way. Oh, wow. Nearly had a couple of close calls. So we had angels with us, I'm telling you. Very, very amazing. But I do want to thank Andrew and Mel and also all of you guys for being so welcoming. When we come here, it feels like ages ago. Do you remember what pre-COVID felt like? It was that long ago. That's how long ago it felt. And I said to Kaz, I go, gee, this is the first church outside of our own that I've actually preached in since back then. So this, what, I wouldn't have picked a better place. Because it's family. It's funny you call yourself family life because you're spot on. You do it so well. I do love you guys. We were praying on the way here this morning. The, once again, a love just bubbled up in my heart for, what, for who you are and what God is doing here. And I'm excited for what um, the plans that God has for you. I do want to pause for a moment, though. I don't know about you, but I need to make sure that we're in the sweet spot of what God wants to do. Yeah, Can we do that? Holy Spirit, we wait. We wait. If there's anything going on in our hearts right now, God, even as we think about maybe this afternoon or tomorrow or the week ahead, can I ask for your help? That you would help us to dwell in this moment that you have put aside? God, I know you have a plan. I know you want to do something here this morning in our time together. And though we might not have all of the details of what that looks like right now, we just say yes to you. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Beyond my words that come out of my mouth, Holy Spirit, as you breathe upon the hearts of every single individual, not only in this room, but also anyone that is watching online as well, you are not restricted. You are not shut down. You can show up and do things however you choose because ultimately this is your church. So all of us position our hearts right now and say, Holy Spirit, come. Speak, Lord, because we are listening. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I also just want to say this about this precious couple here. Um, of course, during the past two years, churches have had to juggle things in a very fresh way. And um, my heart does break that there are some pastors that no longer are because of what the past two years has done. And, you know, we, we're in touch with a few pastors over, over just, just doing life. And the feedback that we're getting is that it's been so brutal that some are right on the edge thinking of giving up. But not these two. We're in contact with these two constantly and it was beautiful to see them love you so well in new and fresh ways. 
And their heart has always been to serve you well in a season that just didn't make sense. Guys, please honour them. Please protect them. They really do love you well. Thank you guys for loving the people of God well. Amazing. Amazing. Mel was saying about being a pastor. Gee, you're not wrong. You know, it's funny. um, Anyone else still got to get rid of COVID kilos? Come on. For some reason, during lockdown, I kept on showing up at the fridge. I go, hello, good friend. What do you have for me today? And it usually was ice cream, but that's okay. You know, we've got to cope somehow. But (laughs) it really is an interesting season that we're in. I'm not even going to talk about yesterday's election. But anyway, it's an interesting season that we are in. And, um, but life as a Christian, how's that going for you? <laughs> Calm down. It's going okay, isn't it? Just say yes, Mark. That means yes. This means, uh, I don't even know who I am today. But life as a Christian is interesting because we have so much being thrown at us, bombarding us in, in every moment. There's a lady in our church called Jennifer. And she's a unique character. One day, Kaz and I were in our office in Melton, and she bombarded. She just bombarded away in. Bang. Hello. My name's Jennifer, she said. Oh, hello, Jennifer. Pleased to meet you. She goes, I just escaped from drug dealers from WA, and I ran to Melbourne to get away. And just to let, let, just to let you know, she said, I'm going to be a part of your church. Well, you're welcome, Jennifer. I don't even know who you are or or why you're here, but you are welcome. We're going to love you. And then God spoke something to me immediately in my heart about her. And he said this, "I'm I'm not only going to teach her how to be loved, but I'm going to teach you how to love even more. And my goodness, has she tested us. No one in the life of 25 years of ministry, no one has tested my love like Jennifer. And she knows it. We chuckle about it all the time. So one day, I'm just working away in our office, and she comes... How many of you know you can be an adult but still chuck a tantrum like a little six-year-old? Yes? Well, that was her day. And she came in sooking and screaming and whinging and complaining, oh, this church doesn't love me anymore. No one loves me. Oh, life is horrible. And on and on and on she went. And I was just listening. And she, got, she worked, herself so, worked herself up so much that she bolted out of the office, down the church auditorium, heading for the door. And I immediately thought, well, this is nothing new. But then God said one word, run. What? Is that a word from the Lord? He said, run. Run after her. So she have seen me jump, jump over my desk like, <laughs> off I went. And I, was bo- and I said, Jennifer, stop. And she was almost at the, at the exit. And I ran down the auditorium and I said, you stop right there, right now. She got a bit shocked that I was all of a sudden so forceful and that I actually ran after her. And she came shocked. She came slowly back towards me and I grabbed her by the shoulders. And I go, when are you going to stop running and be okay with being loved? She didn't have an answer for me. She was in tears. I said, Jennifer, I am sick and tired. Almost felt like a father. I am sick and tired of you running away from love. Deal with it. You are loved. 
no matter what you think or what you believe, you just have to deal with it. And then a couple of days later, after she was processing all of this, she said, I think she said to Kaz, she goes, what shocked me about that day is that no one has ever run after me before. And when you hear about her brokenness, and what God will show me in this is that throughout the years of ministry, no matter who you are or where you're from, sometimes the problem is actually you. Don't get offended. But I'm talking about the you in you that wants to stop the real you in Christ rise up in the new life that you've been given. Look, I know, what, I know what Paul has written in 2 Corinthians 5.17. You are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. Sounds romantic, doesn't it? Problem is, maybe for me only, but I like to resurrect the old me sometimes. Yeah? It's usually while I'm driving on the road, the old me comes up. Oh, hello. But the you I'm talking about is the old version of you that should be dead and buried in Christ. And we like to resurrect that old stinky one. Ever smelt rotting flesh? <laughs> we like to resurrect that old self because it, it's familiar. It, it feels good to the carnal nature, doesn't it? We do things, we say things, we behave in ways and all of a sudden when the, the old version of you has a greater voice, the new you gets silenced and shut down and you miss out on all that God has. And God will run after you. God will chase you down, I guarantee it to you. But you have to want to crucify the old flesh and leave it where it belongs. Maybe for some of you this morning, the word is stop resurrecting your old man. I don't know. Maybe that's for some of you. You're probably thinking, gee, did I come today for that? That's not a very encouraging word. It actually is. Because I don't want the old you keep on getting in the way of the new you becoming all you can be in Christ. Because the new you, I tell you, is spectacular. The new you is breathtaking. Now, I know the old you and I know the old version of me sometimes does things in such a way where the enemy of our soul, you, you probably know him well, he looks at me and he says, he's doing my job for me. I know the devil looks at me sometimes, he goes, mate, he's doing a better job than I could ever do. Look at him. Digging his own grave. Look at him speaking into his own deadness. Look at him. Look at him believing lies. Look at him walking in deceptive thoughts. Just look at him. And the devil sometimes watches me and marvels. I don't want to make him marvel. I want to make him scared. I never want to partner with that old, old devil. But I've seen over the years of ministry the you that gets in the way of the new you. And oftentimes it's, it looks like this, you looking back and trying to find the answer back there. It's not back there. I, I know there are some ministry in the, in the Christian church where you need to go backwards to find the root cause of something. I, I get that. But I think we put too much emphasis on that. Uh, 
We can break free if we want to. I've seen it so many times. In, I hear it in people's language. Can I really be honest with you? Is that okay? Yeah. Okay, to three of you. All right. The rest of you. <laughs> I want to be really honest with you. I, I have such a problem. I have such a hard time dealing with words like, I don't deserve this. I'm unworthy. I cannot. Not for me. For them, but not for me. I, 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 I can't stand those words. There was a guy that came into our church a few years ago and he would always describe himself as a Christian but as a, a worm of a sinner. That's the language he would use. Oh, I'm just a worm of a man. I'm a depraved sinner. And I'm thinking, mate, that's not who you are anymore. You used to be that, but not anymore. The, the old you is trying to get in the way of the new you. You need to tell that you to shut up. You need to tell that you silence. Enough of your rubbish. Enough of your lies. And many times we disqualify ourselves from all that God has because we think we're agreeing with God. He does not speak about you that way. He doesn't. Question, who does he see when he looks at you? Who? The old you? Guarantee you he doesn't. Because as far as he's concerned, the old you has been crucified with Christ. So who does he see when he looks at you? He sees you covered by the sun. So if you start tearing yourself down, what are you actually saying of the sun? You need to tell the old you to be quiet. You need to speak to it and silence its voice once and for all. You know that as sons and daughters of God, you have rights. Did you know that? That you are now deserving of the best? So any words of undeserving, any words that sound like unworthiness need to be silenced because they are not coming from the heart of God. I guarantee it to you. I want to show you something. Vicky, could we have the first slide up, please? The devil wants to remind you of the worst parts of you so that he can keep you from the best part of God. Some of you need to change the station that you're listening to. Change the channel. Ah. Sometimes it feels like there's that invisible cord that's, that keeps on holding us back. You know, we're, we're trying to move forward, but there's something, there's something there that keeps on dragging us backwards. For some, it can be past mistakes and trauma. I get that can be disappointments and hurts that you've gone through as an individual, whether through family or friends or, or whatever circumstances. I get that. That's what it can feel like sometimes. And Satan loves to remind you, keep on turning your face backwards to say, look at that again. Keep on looking back. That is not you. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of you sometimes feel crippled? That's the word crippled by life crippled by life some of the stories I hear coming out of people's mouths as Christians I think how are you still alive 
I get it. It's real. Sometimes it feels crippling. Your past cripples you from the future. I get that. You, I'm sure some of you can relate here today. But what is sad to me, and it breaks my heart, I have to be honest, is that when the sons and daughters of God then turn to the Father and blame Him. Why weren't you there for me then? Why didn't you save me from that? We hear it a lot. And I'm sure the father's heart is grieved when he hears those words because which parent, which loving parent would ever do such a thing? You know, sometimes, actually not, in in the past I had a um, conversation with God and I was having a bit of a whinge. Thankfully, he doesn't strike me dead, but I was having a bit of a complaint. Yeah, God, you've deserted me. God, you've let me down. God, you've disappointed me. God, you're not answering me. And on and on. And he listened. He listened. And then he said this. What makes you think? Does that sound like God? (laughs) Sounds like God to me in here. He said, what makes you think that you are a better father than me? There's nothing I wouldn't do for my kids. I would never, never abandon my children. One of them almost forced me to not too long ago. Gee, that was close. Cheeky girl. Some of you know our eldest daughter fell pregnant. And now we're on a journey. (laughs) But I would not do that to my children. Then the father says, what makes you think that you love your kids better than I love you? Come on. Sorry, God. Sorry, God. So if any words, any feelings, any memories, any past situations cause you to question the goodness of God, dear friend, you've been lied to. Because that's not him. It's not him. You know that God chases after you. you. You know that, don't you? And when the collision of God's love collides with your past, what wins? Love always wins. There's a story in the Old Testament, and I, and I love seeing, I, I love highlighting glimpses of the new covenant salvation we have in Jesus. I love looking for these pictures in the Old Testament. There's an absolutely beautiful, absolutely beautiful one I want to show you now. King David. Many times we see a similarity or a reflection of Christ Jesus. In King David. King David was probably Israel's greatest ever king. I would have loved to be there to see this man lead the nation. And there's a heartwarming story which, which shows how a collision of love with someone's shame of their past can conquer anything that you throw at it. So King David, prior to him was King Saul, the first king of Israel. King Saul had a son named Jonathan. And Jonathan and David were best buddies. Best mates. They were like brothers. The, the, the way the word describes the love that they had for each other is so breathtaking that we all wish we had friends like that. Yeah? But what happened is that a battle had occurred and King Saul and Jonathan had died on the battlefield. 
And then through prophetic words spoken over David, he eventually rose up to be king of Israel. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 through to 8, I want to read this story with you. Okay, Vicky, we're gonna, you ready? It's over a few pages. Here we go. Guys, can you see it? I just want to get out of the way. One day David asked, Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba. Cool name, yeah? Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba, the king asked. Oh, yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, Is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, Yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He, crip- he is crippled in both feet. Where is he, the king asked. In Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Machia, son of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Machia's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, Greetings, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Oh, don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property wow, that once belonged to your, grand, your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to what? To a dead dog like me. If anyone was crippled by life, it was this guy Mephibosheth. As amazing as this moment was, it's actually quite tragic to see the way Mephibosheth saw himself. And I want to go after something here. Mephibosheth was part of the royal family of Israel, correct? King Saul's grandson, Jonathan's son. Circumstances in life had caused Mephibosheth to be disconnected from his destiny and to crawl away in some dead-end part of town so he would be hidden. Now, at the age of five, Mephibosheth and his nurse had escaped Jerusalem because of uh, Jonathan and Saul being killed in Jezreel. In the process of him being rushed out of that place, he fell to the ground and both of his legs got crippled because of that moment. As a young child, crippled legs. Imagine what that would do to a kid. Imagine the words spoken over that kid. I can pretty much guarantee this to you. His description of himself, a dead dog like me, he would have learnt that from somewhere. There would have been someone in his life that would have called him, look at this dead dog. For some of you, some words have been spoken over your life that cause you to question your worth in Christ. For Mephibosheth, he couldn't get past this. This radical kindness that King David had shown him poured out upon him. All of a sudden, Mephibosheth had been upgraded to such a way that all of the king's royal land was now gifted to this boy or to this man. But he didn't see it. What did he see? An undeserving, unworthy dead dog. Let me ask you this. 
When you are on the receiving end of God's radical goodness, kindness and favour, how does it make you feel? Oh, I'm not worthy. God, you shouldn't even be looking at me, let alone show me this kind of attention. I love asking this question. What do you deserve? What do you deserve as a child of God? If you say, I deserve hell, can you slap yourself, please? Because that's the version of you before the cross. I'm talking about the version of you after the cross. You are a new creation now, so what do you deserve? What does a son or daughter of the royal family of heaven deserve? Ask the father that question and you might be shocked by his answer. Don't be shocked if he says, you deserve my best. You deserve my all. As a matter of fact, the Father says, and the Apostle Paul unpacks this, as a matter of fact, I'm going to call you up here to sit right here where Jesus sits. Paul brilliantly unpacks this. We have been seated with Christ where? In heavenly places. Now. It's a strange thing to try and comprehend. But right now you are seated on these beautiful seats. Aren't you thankful for cushioned seating? But right now, if you belong to Christ, you are also, in the most amazing way, seated with Jesus in heavenly places. So tell me, what do you deserve? What do you ask for? Do you feel guilty when you ask for big things? Do you? Oh, no, brother, 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 brother. I'm just thankful for salvation. Stop it! Sometimes we come to God the Father like a groveling servant when we are a royal son. Imagine my kids, almighty father, almighty dad, could I please have some butter from your fridge to put on a toast, please? Please can I have a glass of milk, almighty dad? What would that do? I said, what are you talking about? My fridge is your fridge. My home is your home. My bread, my milk. You touch the beers and I'm going to have to slap you. But everything else, everything else is yours, kiddo. If that's the kind of father I I am, what kind of father do you think he is? Oh, but this dead dog is not worthy. Stop it. Stop it. You're speaking the devil's language, not God's. You're coming into agreement with the father of lies, not the father of lights. You make a choice who you're listening to. Mm. You okay? So where are you seated? Vicky, just do the next slide, please. What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? So, so sad. You see, Mephibosheth's crippled legs also crippled his identity. And your past can do the same. For Jennifer, her past of an ex-drug addict who was on heavy drugs for 35 years of her life 
she has struggled and still does to this day to see herself as a daughter of the king. And it breaks our hearts. And she knows that. She's more than happy me sharing her story with you. And we continue to love on her, continue to show her grace and mercy. And she's fallen pretty hard at times. But thankfully she keeps on coming back. And when we speak to her about this and... She's gone through many classes about intimacy with God and your identity and what does it mean. She keeps on saying, but I can't get it. I can't get it. I can't get it. Well, you have to keep on fighting for it because it's yours. You might not get it right now, but maybe tomorrow you will. You have to keep on fighting for this. Don't let the past cripple you from who you can be or who you are in Christ. Let's have a look at this next one. Look at this. Shame cripples you from seeing yourself as God sees you. And I think some of you here today, I'm going out in faith here, but I think some of you, words have been spoken over you as a child, even as an adult. Certain words have been spoken over you that still to this day hang over you like a dark cloud and you're struggling to see yourself through it. And I think I'm here today to bring you into a collision of love. Today, my name is Ziba. Ziba, in that story, who was he? King David called Ziba. And he says, go search for someone in Jonathan's family that I can show kindness to. Today I'm Ziba. The king has sent me to show kindness to you. The king has sent me to position you at the king's table. And you, you, can, you can feel unworthy, but that doesn't matter here right now. Because that doesn't change it. You can feel like you don't deserve this. You can feel like you don't deserve God's best. Well, I'm sorry. Ziba has come on behalf and, and by the decree of the king yeah. to say it doesn't matter how you feel about yourself. The king sees something in you. Yeah. And the king's opinion of you does not change based on what you've gone through. By the way, the king doesn't see you as someone that is crippled. The king sees you as someone that is needing a touch to be reminded, this is where you belong. Now, if you right now, you're saying in your mind, yeah, but. If you hear yourself saying, yeah, but, get your butt out of the way. Seriously, get it out of the way. Because it's holding you back from where you truly belong. Oh, the story gets better. Look at this. Let's go on. Second Samuel. Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba hey, and said, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. Let's continue on. You and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, he's going to eat at my table. Ziba, it says, had 15 sons and 20 servants. Gee, fruitful man. Ziba replied, yes, my lord, the king. I am your servant and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table. Like what? Like one of the king's own sons. Oh! Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. From then on, all the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. Talk about a pauper becoming a prince. Yeah. 
Breathtaking, isn't it? Look at this. Go, Vicky. <laughs> okay, thank you. No matter how shameful you feel or how crippled you are by your past, when you're at the king's table, your brokenness is hidden and you are wholly accepted. When Mephibosheth sat at the king's table, could you see his crippled legs? No, what could you see? You could see the man. Welcome to the king's table. Yeah, but Mark, you don't know. Stop. Yeah, but Mark, I... Stop. The king has called you. The king searched you out. You didn't search for him. He searched you out. And he says, I want that one at my table. You see, King David didn't ask, what does he smell like? Oh, he's probably destitute. He's probably homeless. He probably stinks pretty bad. How much does he earn? What possessions does he have? What status does he hold in society? Really? Was that a condition? No. I want to show kindness. Ziba, go get him. The kindness of the king is breathtaking. And I don't want to sound rude, but it really doesn't matter whether you feel unworthy or not. <laughs> it will not change him. Yeah. It will not change the way he feels about you. And he's pretty wrapped in who you are. <sighs> There's a painting that was painted in the year 1425, a long time ago, by an artist called Andrei Rublev. That's probably how you pronounce it, but it's Rublev. For us Aussies, Rublev. But there's a part in the painting that I want to show you that many people miss. Look at the painting. Father on the, on the left, Jesus in the middle, and Holy Spirit on the right-hand side, okay? Can you see it? Might seem a little bit blurry, but it is there. <laughs> I promise you. Now, what this painting is, is aiming to, to reveal is that though God... Father, Son, Holy Spirit, each having their own uniqueness, are altogether one and altogether holy. Now, the Holy Spirit on the right, I need to get in behind here to show you. So, the Holy Spirit here on the right, look at his hand. It's pointing to something. It's only the Holy Spirit, look, he's looking down at something. It's actually pointing to this little box right here. Can you see the box? So, Holy Spirit is pointing the onlooker of this painting to something more that needs to be seen. Now what art historians have concluded is that this area, this rectangular area here, has residue of glue. I don't know how they worked it out, but they're a lot smarter than I am. So I'll take their word for it. Has residue of glue. And what they said is that that part of the painting, at one stage in its life, in the early stage of its life, had a mirror attached to it. Interesting observation. Why a mirror? Because of this. Look at this. At the table of three, there is room for another. King David went after Mephibosheth to bring him to the king's table. Jesus Christ 
went after you to bring you to the king's table. That's salvation. That is salvation. Salvation isn't only you being saved from hell. Saved for heaven. This is salvation. Saved for relationship with God himself. Come on, that is amazing. That is breathtaking. There's room at the table for another. And another. And another. And another. I love the way Andre Rublev painted this, is that he invited the onlooker. Can you imagine the shock as the onlooker stepped up to the painting, oh, and saw the reflection in the mirror? What a powerful, what a powerful um, moment that would have been. Mephibosheth felt like a dead dog, but he enjoyed for the rest of his life the favour of the king. Look at this next slide. Your place at the king's table cannot be earned by your own efforts. No, like Mephibosheth, your place at the table is solely based on the loving kindness of the king. Listen, you are not known by shame. You are known by name. The king of heaven knows you by name. Oh, I'm not worthy. Well, ask him. If you are a worthless piece of trash, if you were, would he have sent Jesus to come and get you? If you were of no consideration at all by God, why would he have sent Jesus to bring you to his table? Why? If that's what you were. Yet he saw the value of one. He says, I want that one with me. And he went after you. He went after you. Tell you what, when you get hit by a collision of love, you're never the same again. You're never the same again. I want to ask you something as I bring this to a close. If anything of what I've said here today has connected with you, has resonated in your heart because you're you're saying he's, he's telling my story. Maybe, yes, maybe what you have gone through, it it is severe, it is horrific, it is so traumatic. I, I respect that. And I want to be sensitive to that. But if you knew the power of the one that looks at you now, all of that would fade into his, his love. We mix in our church, now we do fortnightly, once as a gathered church and then the next Sunday is in homes. And one of the first home church meetings that we had, a lady came in there and it shocked me how open she was. So after we had watched the message online that we, that we provide content for and then we prayed together, she said, guys, I need to confess something to you. She says, I 
did this, this, this. I know some of you would like to know what it is, but I'm sorry for her protection, I won't say it. But I've done this. And she was so open, thinking, oh my goodness, this is full on. I've never been to a church like this. She was so open. She laid it all out. And then she said to the group, do you still love me? Do you still love me, guys, now that you've heard me say all, confess all my sin to you? Do you still love me? It was so beautiful to see every single member of that group get up off the couch, surround this precious woman, and embrace her, and say, how can we not? And then I felt led to say this to her. I said, listen, your language in conversation with you, sometimes sounds like you're trying to disqualify yourself from the goodness of God. What makes you think that your sin is greater than the love of God? What makes you think, where did you come up with that? That any sin that you commit is actually bigger than the gracious love of God. No such thing does not exist. She was in tears and everyone just embraced her and came around her. And it was breathtaking for Kaz and I to see that. But I want to say this. Your story is who you were, not who you are. Those things happened to you. They are not you. Shame is not your name. Crippled by the past? Okay, there's healing for that. Feel unworthy, feel disqualified, feel let down by life and by people? Okay, I get it. But there's someone who can overcome that. Where you are right now is you are sitting down. You're seated at the king's table. Every single one of you. And if someone cannot see it, I pray now in the name of Jesus that your eyes will be opened that you will see your reflection in that mirror. Because now you will realise today, as a collision of love has just hit your heart, you are saved and set free from the version of you that has been trying to keep you back for all these years. Today, it is done. Done. Ziba says so. I'm going after you. If I need to run after you, I will. You might beat me by you get to the end door because I can't run, run very far at all. I get tired by the time I'm at the end of the, end of the aisle. I'm, t- I'm, I'm a mess. But sometimes, sometimes someone just needs to chase you down. Please don't make me run. But if anything that I've said today has resonated with your story, there's nothing to be ashamed of. We've all got stuff. We've all got stuff that has crippled us. Can I ask you to stand? If anyone, if anyone has resonated with Mephibosheth's story, just in a courageous way, this is a safe place. I know it is. Can you just stand to your feet right now, please? And you're just, all you're doing by standing saying, you know what, there are still some things in my past that are holding me back. There are still things that want to keep me bound to who I used to be. And I want to be free from these things. 
I want to be free from the shame. I want to be free from, from the disappointment and the hurt and the trauma that keeps on coming back when I think about it. And to those of you standing, and maybe even some of you still sitting, which you're holding back, but that's okay, listen. I come to you in the name of the King. The King has sent me to search you out. The King has sent me to come here today with a mission. And my mission is this, the King just says, I choose you. 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 God says, I see you. And I choose you. I choose you. choose you he says I choose you he says I choose you the king has sent me to tell you he says I choose you I choose you he says I choose you He says, I choose you. He says, I choose you. He went after you because he can't imagine eternity without you. And not only are you chosen by him, but you are called to sit where he sits. And as you draw close to his table today, you see yourself in the reflection of the mirror, don't you? Can you see yourself? Can you see your image? And I want you to see your image in that place and I want you to come into agreement with my words right now that you belong there. That, that spot has been waiting for you to come to the table just like Mephibosheth came. Because he chose you. He went after you today. And he waited for this moment for you to stand in courageous faith. And say, I'm sick and tired of the past having a voice. I'm sick and tired of the past trying to tear me down and, and hold me back from all that God has. Well, today in faith, dear one, dear one, you are loved, you are precious, and your, your past is finished the memory of it holding you back, I cut it now in the name of Jesus. I'm not saying it didn't happen. It did, but it no longer has a voice of influence in who you are. Use it as a point of grace now. Use it as a point. Use it against the enemy. Say, devil, I used to be there. I'm no longer there anymore. You can't throw that on me anymore. You cannot throw that mud on me anymore. It's finished. Grab a seat, you precious saints. <laughs> I'm going to close it there. But I just want to thank my God. 
Lord, I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for being so faithful in your love. God, we try to make excuses. We try to give you reasons why not to save us, why not to heal us, why not to deliver us, why not to set us free. God, sorry. Today, like Mephibosheth, every single one of us are going to eat at the king's table for the rest of our lives. And the inheritance of royalty is ours. <laughs> Glory to God. And I seal this work now in the name of Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for being so gracious to come after us. Amen. Amen. Brother. Why don't we put our hands together for Mark? I was at a conference this